and welcome to this episode of Tones and Drones, an ambient music podcast. I'm Jason Miller, your host. Tones and Drones is produced in the studios of Public Radio 91.3 KVLU. For more information about KVLU, simply go to kvlu.org. You're listening to the music of Chronotope Project. Chronotope Project is the musical moniker of Oregon-based composer Jeffrey Erickson Allen. His recent album, Gnosis, is his fifth album for the Spotted Peccary music label, and his ninth is Chronotope Project. Jeffrey is a classically trained cellist. Jeffrey is a student of philosophy, and ancient Greek philosophers influence his latest release, Gnosis, and also uh, other types of philosophy too, and you'll hear bits of that in our conversation. As well, he's also a student of Baroque music, and we'll be having some uh, some talk about uh, that era of music, and uh, I hope that uh, you enjoy that. I learned a lot, and uh, Jeffrey was just uh, a delight to speak with. Really enjoyed our conversation, and of course, early in our conversation, we'll talk about the origin of the name Chronotope Project. So up next, my interview with Jeffrey Erickson Allen, also known as Chronotope Project, here on Tones and Drones. Jeffrey, thanks for being here on Tones and Drones. Hey, my pleasure. Nice to speak with you, you Jason. Yeah, likewise. Um, I appreciate you being on the show and uh, enjoyed your work on a Spotted Peccary. They've been really great to the to the podcast, uh, helping connect with the the musicians. So really, really been really been appreciative. So, well, that's good news. They're also really good to artists too. It's a it's a very uh, supportive label. Nice to hear. I really wanted to start with the moniker that you use, Chronoto Project, and and how you came up with that, and and then how that relates to sort of your concept for for that project. Uh, sure. <clears throat> um, the the term chronotope was uh, coined by actually by a a literary philologist, Mikhail okay. Bakhtin, a Russian philologist in the thirties, and he was looking for something that. Uh, represented the the intersection of space and time. So he derived his own word from from the Greek uh, chronos, time, and topos, space, to represent this kind of intersection of the two. And uh, I thought that there was really nothing better that uh, described my approach to what I was doing in the music. So I adopted it as as my own. Okay. And what was that concept in the music that you thought would be a great way to to tie the name and and your compositional mm-hmm. concept together? I think quite often in my work, you can hear uh, something of of this background uh, of of time, uh, oh. a, almost a sort of a ticking away 
of, of moments. And that's often represented uh, through sort of the, the, the sequences and the ostinato figures that underlie uh, a piece. Whereas space uh, needs to be represented in, in a somewhat different ways. Uh, and fortunately, ambient music, ambient electronic music offers plenty of uh, vehicles for the representation of space, you know, the, the, the long delays and reverbs, um, the, uh, the, the, the pads, the soft pads. And then you have something kind of uh, that, that brings these together and that's melody for me. And uh, if you've listened to much of my work, you know that uh, it, it tends to be, it does tend to be melodically based. And uh, I, I often think of the, the melody, the melodic component as, as representing what is most distinctively human. Okay. Whereas time and space are, are, are sort of more uh, universal properties of nature. The, it, it's in melody that there's this, this sense of yearning and questioning. And that that's a quality that's that's pretty pervasive in my music. You know, and one of the things speaking of that, because I I listened to to Spotify to get kind of it just taking you me through your music, but looking at the the your most recent album, um, I wanted to talk about background in in orchestral music. I hear the orchestral type passages in there, and I'm just wondering what what is your work in classical orchestral however you want to how I put it uh sure uh, I, I'm a classically trained musician my my first instrument and and my first love in music was the cello okay and continues to be um and uh in my uh in my youth I was really focused on on classical music I, I played in all kinds of ensembles everything from from chamber groups to uh, symphony orchestras and you know when I when I played in the symphonies that I that I worked in one of the things that I noticed was that you know you'd get caught up in this wonderful texture uh, of, of all these instruments and uh, the, the great composers uh, know how to exploit uh, kind of the the combinations of instruments uh, to, to bring about wondrous, wondrous uh, kind of textures. Often as a player, I, I just, uh, when I was inspired by that, I, I just wanted to, to get up and go home and start composing. <laughs> now, I don't happen to have a symphony orchestra uh, at my disposal. Uh, <laughs> I so, understand. <laughs> sort of the next best thing for me uh, is to use the resources uh, of electronic music, again, to create these, these textures. Thank you. 
Fortunately, there's, you know, there's a wide array of, of instruments, of timbres. Really, uh, the, the sonic world is, is your oyster uh, okay. as an electronic musician. And, and I know you do some of this yourself, Jason, so you know exactly what I'm talking about. I understand very much so. It's, there's something about being in the midst of the orchestra or the wind ensemble than the people sitting in the audience, like it, being surrounded by that is a complete different way to listen to it than, than the audience. Yes. Very yes. stirring. Immersion is important to me in, in music. And I, I'm aware that most of my listeners, I think, are headphone listeners. My work is uh, certainly designed to take full advantage of that. I'm, I'm very aware of uh, the sound stage of, of, of spatial relationships of sound. And I want the listener to have this experience of almost like the orchestral musician of, okay. of sitting there uh, okay. in a section, but being surrounded by, you know, your compatriots in, in music. So immersion, I think, is, is, is a good way to also describe the, the, the kind of music that I do. Yeah, very, very much so, very much so. Listening to in headphones and, and hearing bells in, you know, in one place. And I was listening to one of the songs and I heard the, the chime bells. And, and I, I'm a big fan of, of that tone and hear those in the distance and, and listening to it. I like your use of the, the sequencers and the, the, those rhythms just kind of bubbling over like you mentioned, the more spatial element, the more drone or, or padding mm -hmm. element and things like mm -hmm. that. And, and at, do you play cello on, on your albums? Yes. Um, for example, in Gnosis, uh, you'll find on, on the fourth track, uh, the Still Small Voice, there is, in fact, a full cello section that okay. I record. So I, I, okay. I got to uh, kind of revisit my orchestral experience by being every member of the cello section. <laughs>
it's a point in in the composition too, in, in which uh, a a broader lyrical sort of line is is being uh, evoked, and uh, the cello, of course, is ideal for that. So okay. yes, I, I I do I do mix in the cello here and there, uh, even in uh, in places where you wouldn't necessarily perceive it as such. For example, okay. um, there are other sections uh, in which I use uh, some some glissandos of of cello harmonics, uh, okay. just as as a kind of a a tonal resource, but probably to the casual listener, they wouldn't necessarily identify that as, as even being an acoustic instrument. Okay. Okay. Well, I'd heard that. And that's because you, you, you know, nowadays with the way in, instruments are sampled, it's like, it, 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 it is a real instrument be recorded somewhere by yeah. an orchestra. And then, right. you know, so, I mean, that's, that I still, that still astounds me. I have a friend that works in that with core voices and strings and brass. And I'm just like, wow, that's just an amazing yeah. idea. But it's, it's, um, when, when you compose, do you, um, on some of your, some of your work or do you have an orchestra in mind? Like say you had an orchestra at your disposal, that's going to play your work, but you're recreating these with, with the cello and with the electronics. Do you think about that way? Like this, this part right up here would be, this would be a bass, you know, a bass, a bass part. This would be the violins. This would maybe be the, the, the alto, the clarinets or something. Do you, do you think that way sometimes when, when, um, you're, when you're composing or did the electronic kind of take you into another realm sometimes? No. Yeah. The, the electronic um, medium is, is something which, you know, it, it kind of has its, its own rules and it's, it, it suggests, its own ideas. Okay. So I always always think of myself when I'm composing as being in a in a conversation with 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 the sounds. Okay. And uh, conversation is extremely important to me as a composer. Also in in things like uh, my use of counterpoint. Okay. I, I did study classical counterpoint. Um, uh, I, I'm a, also a baroque music musician. I, I, I play in a, an 18th century <laughs> music ensemble. Oh, cool. And, and so I am a right. very, I'm very alive to okay. uh, this, this marvelous feature of Western music, uh, which was uh, perfected in, in the Baroque era. And that is the simultaneous uh, appearance of, of multiple uh, lines, uh, melodic lines, which makes sense in and of themselves, just as when in a conversation, hopefully each voice uh, is, is making sense, but also have this marvelous confluence and interplay. So I, I'd say okay. that um, okay. more than thinking about orchestral texture or anything like that, <clears throat> um, I allow the, the electronic media to suggest um, the, the sort of sound, sound ideas, soundscapes, but then those are sculpted through uh, essentially classical processes, harmony, rhythm, counterpoint uh, uh, in, in particular. That's interesting you say that because um, we can replicate those things. Fascinated me as well uh, in, in that era, especially the music of Bach, how mm. he would have such 
parts that just went together so well. They interweaved so well together. And sometimes they would just be on the keyboard itself. And um, and the 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 continuo and the bass and things like that. Those things are always amazed me because it what like you mentioned, what a development in in music. I mean, to this very day, even if you look at pop music, some people will experiment with some repetitive line at the bottom and then this part, you know, it's 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 just it changed the course of 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 music that these composers were working in. And Absolutely. Yeah. And and I'm glad you mentioned Bach. He happens to be <clears throat> probably my favorite composer. Yeah, me too. Uh, I had to pick one. I, and, I, you know, I think if you ask om, uh, almost any trained musician uh, for their favorite composers, Western composers, Bach is going to come, you know, on is going to be on the short list. Yeah, <clears throat> I'm 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 in the process of uh, trying to uh, acquire a uh, a harpsichord. Oh, wow. And, uh, this with the aim of just slowly working through, you know, these marvelous keyboard compositions, particularly uh, of Bach, mm -hmm. because th there is in Baroque music something I think, I think we're all searching for in life. Gould called it the lifelong construction of st of a state of wonder and serenity wow and yeah. I, I would say if anything that's a mission statement for me in, in music yeah. so whether it is you know uh doing the, the absolutely most contemporary electronic music or playing 18th century music wonder and serenity are are are, are my aims that's that's what i'm after that's a, wow. That's a great. I, I've never heard it. That's a great quote from him. His music is where I landed in Bach a lot with his Goldberg variations. Oh, yes. With that album. I remember having the album. It was one of the first things I got digitally. Glenn Gold's Goldberg variations was one of them. Yeah. It was you know, like he, recorded he, was it, he recorded it twice. And it's really? so interesting to see uh, the, the differences in them. Uh, they, they're, they're both very organic interpretations. They're very eccentric. Some of the tempos that he takes for things are so surprisingly different. But um, I think the other thing about Glenn Gould, and, and this may kind of connect with my electronic music interests, at a certain point, he, he just gave up performing. Oh. He devoted himself um, mm -hmm. to, he, he did, devoted himself to recording. Uh, he, he gave up live performance because he simply, uh, he could not, he couldn't perfect things <laughs> in, in live performance the way sure. he could. And, and, you know, for me too, sure. uh, that is one of the, the joys of, of recorded music is that, you know, there's, there's no timeline. You know, you have, you have all the time in the world to, to dig into a piece. And to explore every every small feature of it, I spend many, many, many hours mixing. It's it it it's one of my favorite parts of the compositional process of the of the production process. And one of the things about mixing is that each each piece of the sound, you know, it needs to find its place. It, mm. it, it, it not just in terms of its dy dynamics and its uh, the uh, sort of equalization, how it's sculpted, yeah, but also it, it's, it's 
it's part in the, the sonic space. Um, okay. So where it appears to the listener, what where it where it is in the headphones <laughs> in mm. the head. spatially stereo spatially uh, yeah. that's uh, yeah. I'm fascinated by that utterly fascinated yeah you know it uh, it, uh, it when we first came up with stereo stereo technology it's like um, finding those uh, 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 persuasive percussion records where they just had so much fun with it they're like let's just go nuts with this and then and then subtlety entered in later on. But yeah. <laughs> when we first had it, let's just bounce back and forth and 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 have everything on one side. And and uh, that's interesting, though, about the mixing process. You know, one of the things I've felt about mixing personally is that because we have the word remix now, one composition could be several compositions just in the way of mixing. No adding, uh, yes. no subtracting. Don't worry about mastering, just mixing. Yeah. My, actually, my next project... <clears throat> Um, I have a title for it. It's it's called Chronology. And what I'm going to do, and I've, I've already started doing on this, is revisiting a bunch of early work, uh, things that were pre-Spotted Peccary. Okay. So this is my fifth release on, on Spotted Peccary. Okay. Uh, but before that, I, I released independently and then with another label. Uh, but I uh, want to bring forward some of those early compositions. But now with 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 my current ear which which hears things a bit differently <laughs> the ear needs always of course to grow and um i still i'm fond of of some of these early pieces um and so i'm i'm rearranging them uh remixing them in some in some places restructuring them um but that's an opportunity to do as as you say with 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 a piece and and show it from a different angle okay okay that that's really interesting to go back and do that I, i've never really i haven't really heard that uh that process before to go back and, and and visit some works in a different i guess mixing space i guess is how you would say it again it's kind of a spatial it's, it's kind of a spatial thing i um one of the things uh and that kind of leads me, what about, you know, one of the albums that I, I'd listened to around the same time as this one was the Solar Winds album. Um, mm -hmm. Especially I enjoyed the tune Raga of the Earth. And one thing that I've, I've on this podcast that I've found fascinating is that if, if, there, if an artist has an album that pertains to their version of that space, the one that's way out there, mm -hmm. um, I'm always fascinated about how that plays into their life and their work. Even if it's just a passing kind of interest, I'm, I'm always fascinated on, on what outer space means. Uh-huh. Well, you know, the Japanese have uh, a, a marvelous aesthetic in, in their rock gardens, sand gardens. Um, and that is that there are, there are stones, the, the stones that are sort of flat and close to the earth represent, represent earth itself. Okay. And then there are these stones you'll see in, in these gardens that are ascending pillars. You know, they, they're, they're reaching up and those are the heaven stones. Okay. But then there must always be a third kind of stone, which is of intermediary height um, and generally more organically shaped. And, and those are the, the stones that represent humankind. Mm. And so I actually often have these okay. 
these very elements in my music. And, and I could give you an example from, from the current uh, album. For Genosis, if you're For Genosis um, please. Yeah. Uh, so the, the third track, which is called Eidos, Realm of the Forms, okay. is uh, a reflection on Plato's theory of, of, of knowledge. Um, and of course, when the, when the piece begins, we do have this baseline of uh, the, the, the sequential baseline of an ostinato mm -hmm. figure, which is, is just sort of setting a sort of stage for the story or for the piece. But then essentially there, there are three different elements that play in counterpoint in, in this piece. Uh, the first one that you hear is, is, is the most melodic of, of the three. And th this might represent the human voice, the questing voice. Okay. This is the question that, you know, uh, the great question of life posing, what is this? Uh, why am I here? What, mm. what is this all about? And it has a lot of yearning in it, this, this, this voice. Um, it's, uh, and it continues through most of the piece. But then it is joined uh, in its second iteration by these sort of very heavenly angelic responses that are, you know, they're set in the soundstage, they're set kind of up and behind the listener. Mm. And th this is the realm of the forms. This is, this is the transcendent realm toward which we are reaching. So okay. in, if this is part of the Japanese sand garden, this, these are the heaven stones <laughs> that are okay. reaching up. Okay. And right. then you have, you have this, uh, this third voice, which is, is it's very, uh, very rhythmic, pointillistic, uh, rapidly dancing. Uh, the, actually, the solo uh, I played on it uh, uh, is, is a little bit re reminiscent of D David Gilmore's guitar work. It, it's sort of Pink okay. Floydish. Yeah. And okay. this is the realm of the particulars. Okay. Okay. This is the earth. That's the earth. Okay. Yeah. This is right. this is the atomistic dance of 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 nature. Okay. And at at uh, at a certain point, then um, all three of those voices play together in counterpoint. Okay. The particulars then drop out, and then heaven drops out, and at the end, you're left only with the voice of your question, which okay. I think is where we are existentially. Okay, okay, is that is that the uh, is that the middle stone, or is that the grounded that's, stone? That's the middle stone. That's the middle yeah. stone. The yeah. organic the great shape. Middle there. stone. The organic oh, okay. shape. Yeah. Okay. Okay, that's Jeffrey. That's really that's a really a beautiful way to put that. What a what a process to to think about. I want to look at some pictures of these gardens now to see a visual, the visually what what that what that looks like, uh, oh, and then yes. your approach to it sonically. Yeah, um, Kyoto is 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 full of these. I when I visited years ago, um, Kyoto. I, I I went to a number of the you know the, the shrines and temples like Ginkakuji, uh, and all of them have these marvelous, you know, they're, they're, they're vast open spaces with sand that is raked in, in the patterns that, that make it look sort of like the ocean. 
and then uh, islands of of these rocks. They're they're incredibly beautiful. It's it's an aesthetic that that really attracts me. Wow, that's really that's really fascinating. I when it, now it, you mentioned you mentioned uh, talking about Plato and and uh, and I, I I didn't really I haven't studied uh, uh, the 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 ancient uh, Greek Greek philosophies. Um, but but reading reading about your work, um, that that that's that's something that that you study, and how does it play? I guess let's just kind of look at it specifically. How does um, your interest in philosophy, especially the ancient philosophies, how does this play into Genosis, your your most recent album, as mm-hmm. as an interest that you're putting into your music work, an interest yeah. in in philosophy? Um, well, f- philosophy is my other lifetime passion. Okay. I was actually okay. a philosophy major in, in college. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, what did your parents think of that? No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> well, they were eager for me to find something practical, of course. But, you know, surprisingly, they they were very supportive of me following my bliss. Okay. And, Wonderful. Uh, so we should all have such parents. <laughs> um, philosophy, you know, I, I recently read a wonderful book uh, called The Heart of Philosophy by uh, Jacob Needleman. And he he's urging in this book a return to the eros of philosophy, to okay. this desire, desire that informs yeah. philosophy. And you can find a lot of it in the Greeks. Uh, and you, P- Plato in particular talks about eros all the time. And and you think well you know these you know very heady Greeks what what that that they were also quite earthy, mm. and uh, for for Plato, um, you know trying to uh, trying to understand the nature of being, and also to try to understand what informs human understanding, had <clears throat> yeah. a. He, he, he would call upon these certain myths, muthos, in, in his writing. And um, these, are, these are not the place, places where Socrates is, is grilling somebody about their definition of, uh, of justice or virtue, but where th- there would be times where Socrates himself would almost slip into a trance. Mm. And there he would contact his daimon, his voice of inspiration. Okay. And this is this is what mm. I'm after in both philosophy and music. Okay. Uh, Plato had unusual access to, to this himself. And a piece, uh, for example, like The Myth of the Cave, which ends the, the album Gnosis, um, is, is a marvelous demonstration of how he uses a a a, a very gravid uh, image, uh, literary image, to represent a philosophical concept, and my idea in with uh, so the myth of the cave, just very briefly, is that Plato likens uh, the human uh, condition to prisoners who are chained up in a cave, in a dark mm. cave, and there there is a light behind them. And what they see on the wall are the shadows of of things passing by in the real world. But they mistake these shadow images 
for the things themselves. We are wrapped up in this world of appearances. And it's very much, you know, present in our, in our contemporary world. I mean, you look at people so. with their cell phones and they're just, you know, wrapped in these, in these images uh, yeah. and, and almost oblivious <laughs> to the world that's around yeah. them. Very, and very close proximity, literally light right yeah. in the eyes. Yeah. 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 In, in his myth of the cave, one prisoner is, is released. He's unchained and literally dragged up into the light. Mm. Um, and I, <clears throat> of course, when you first come up, come up into the light, it's overwhelming. It, it, you know, if you've been in the dark and you, you know, you, you, you're only used to seeing shadows of things and not things themselves, it takes, it takes time for the eyes to adjust. So this for Plato was the idea of the world of knowledge to see, to see the, the light of the sun finally. Mm. Um, and I wanted to represent this musically because this for me is my way of bring, bringing Eros into this philosophy is to give it a, a kind of a tangible uh, uh, sort of a, a, a basis that an oral kind of experience of it that's immersive. So in the first part of the piece, um, it, it's an atonal world. There's, there's no tonal center. Uh, and you, you have this, this sense of images here and there, but no connections between things, no sense of anything that, that binds them together. Um, then there is a mysterious chord that enters. And, and for any musicians out there, it happens to be the minor major seventh. The minor major, yeah. Minor major seventh is, it, it's, it's a wonderful mm. chord mm. Uh, because it has both this, um, you know, the minor third, which really grounds it to the earth, um, and the major seventh, which is reaching toward resolution with the tonic. Yeah, it's, it's just it, right there on the cusp. It's right on the cusp, yeah. a half step away. Yeah. But but with this with this chord being e evoked by a, a kind of a choral sound. Um, yeah. you feel this kind of uh, resistance mm -hmm. and this drawing of this prisoner out into the light. Mm -hmm. And finally, when uh, the prisoner is, is, is released into the light of day, um, there is something kind of astonishing that happens in the music. It is bitonal. It plays in, in two different keys. Um, and the idea of this is this mm -hmm. is the resolution uh, of, of, of the opposites. And I think this is what we're after, you know, with, with uh, our, our attempts to, um, to reconcile things into the one of knowledge, the light of the sun, the single, the singularity. We're, 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 we're dualistic in our experience, we're dualistic in our thinking, but for Gnosis, something else is required. Some kind of uh, uh, means of synthesis of uh, of these you know conflicting poles, and so I, I represent that with uh, you know I have a brass choir uh, and 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 choir I, I have strings that are playing in another key 
and then these sort of swirling harp arpeggios that finally draw the piece up into a, a pretty dramatic conclusion. And that's, for me, uh, a sort of oral representation of, of the myth of the cave. It gives me an appreciation of it for myself, a way to apprehend it. Um, whether, whether the myth represents something that is true and possible in human life, I, I do not know. I have to be honest, I, I'm a seeker. I, 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 I am not, I'm not a Platonist necessarily, but I appreciate Plato's great passion for exploring you know, the, the great questions. And, and here I do it through music, through the musical medium. You know, Jeffrey, that's, that, um, that's fascinating because that, you, you answered my, my question because I was, I was you know, really looking for, you know, philosophy is, is a, I feel is a very important realm of study and it, it acquaints you with a lot of different things. There's a lot of people that I know that, that, that are in the religious life and they're you know, maybe undergraduate work or some of their work is in philosophy and it leads itself to a lot of places. And I was curious how it leads to music. And I really appreciate you showing how it links to music for you. How does philosophy apply to music? Cause it can apply to so many disciplines. Um, and, and, um, and, and, and not just that, but also exploring it through a composition. The last composition on the album, the longest composition as well, which I always feel like the longer compositions allow for more of a trance type space to get in. And yet you're exploring it in several different sections to pay attention to. And um, it's, that's just really just fascinating to me. Um, and I've always been an in, in interval wise. I, I love the major seven because um, it's the major seven chord is one of my favorite chords, the minor major, but the seventh is so interesting. It's yearning to get to the, is yearning to get to the tonic and it's considered a dissonance. It's considered a dissonance, never really been one to me, but it depends on where you place it in the voicings. Is it really a yeah. dissonance? If they're right well, side by side or if they have a space between the, the, mm -hmm. the root. And anyway, I just found that fascinating the way yeah. you utilize that to explore the tension dissonance. there. Yeah, dissonance yeah. really is only, is only motion. Yeah. It's a state, it's a state yeah. of, of, of yearning for, for me. Um, you know, another one is the tritone, the, the, you know, either the uh, sort of augmented fourth or diminished fifth. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's right smack dab in the middle of, of the 12 tone scale. Mm. It, and for, for many people, it is the most dissonant sounding interval, which means that it yearns a great deal for resolution. Yeah. Um, just as the major seventh does. Yeah. So uh, I, you know, uh, music is this is this constant play between you know tension and release. Yes. If if you have only tension, only a state of tension, um, then there there is no no sense of ultimately no sense of of, of movement or resolution. Mm -hmm. If you have only this only these kind of harmonized tones um that in, in no way attempt to move out, out of the harmonic texture if if there if you have only stasis well that's almost like a state of boredom it's it, it, mm -hmm. it there's there's no there's no there's no motion toward you know the the, yeah. the germans have this this marvelous word uh, sehnsucht and we usually translate it as longing but Sehnsucht really means um, 
it's kind of a longing, like almost a sort of homesickness, but, but where is home? And I would say that that, that you know, Sehnsucht is something that I evoke uh, in, in harmony quite often as, as a sort of tension release, but also as, as a way of, of placing the listener, placing the ego or the self um, in the journey of the sound. Okay. So, you know, okay. it's, it's very important okay. to me that music uh, tells a story and that that story in some way is, is a universal story, something that, that, that others can, can relate to. Uh, for example, in Gnosis, um, there's a whole story that runs through the entire, the entire album. And it's the story of forgetting and remembering. Mm. You see almost immediately with the second track, um, which is called Lethe. Yeah, the river it, of forgetfulness. Yeah. River of forgetfulness. In Greek yeah. mythology, this is where souls went to, to be cleansed of their memories of life before they continue on their, their underworld journey. Hmm. And the idea, Plato, Plato again evoked it in a, in a myth, the, the myth of Ur. Um, and this this place of 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 letting go of of preconception it is an it's an important uh sort of prelude to the journey of 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 actually knowing something so the the album represents not only the individual components the individual myths that that inform kind of this journey but also the stages uh, along sort of the, the, the way stations uh, along which the, 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 the journeyer, the traveler visits in, in their quest for Gnosis. Okay. Okay. And, and the, the term Gnosis, how is that, how, how do you de um, define that? Mm. The title well, track level. The Greeks had, the Greeks had, had many words for, for what we say knowledge, call, call knowledge. Okay. Um, and gnosis is represents to me the highest form of knowledge embodied wisdom in other okay. words okay it is different than the kind of knowledge that we're most acquainted with which is sort of this atomic method of assemblage assemblage yeah. acquiring People, yeah acquiring yeah. i get Acquire. this piece over here i get this piece over yeah. here and now i commit this to here. memory yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, gnosis requires a state of first forget self-forgetfulness. You know, that the there was a Japanese philosopher in the 14th century, Dogen, who said, to study the self is to forget the self. To forget the self is to be enlightened by the 10,000 things. Hmm. And that's that's in a certain way also the story of this this album. Because um, instead of trying directly to confront the 10,000 things, the particulars, which is uh, our very common way of, of knowing, it's about forgetting the self, of letting go of the ego and the self, and allowing oneself to um, receive a kind of inspiration. 
So the, the piece, uh, the, the Still Small Voice, uh, which we talked a little bit about earlier, um, is <clears throat> that's the very kind of romantic, uh, almost orchestral uh, piece, right. which represents epiphany. It's this place, and I know everybody's been there, where you, you, know, you may be confounded by, by things in life and, and you let go. You just let go and something else enters. Mm -hmm. Interestingly enough, for the Greeks, uh, they made, they made mimosony, memory, the mother of all the muses. Okay. She is the one who gives birth to all art forms. She is the source of inspiration, memory. And uh, to me, that piece represents a, a kind of sudden remembering that happens when you've made yourself very quiet. And I, I really feel this is, you know, it's, it's the value of meditation. It's, it's the value of doing nothing, of daydreaming, of boredom, of contemplation, things that tend to be undervalued in, in our society, but uh, we need kind of a, a big, bigger and broader canvas before something astonishing can enter and, and give us real inspiration to, to paint something upon our canvas for us.
one of the wonderful things about the Greeks is they, they personified everything. <laughs> they personified gods. They personified elements of, of nat natural forces. They personified these muses. And that mm. really helps uh, for me to get some kind of human purchase on a thing that's very elusive. It's very hard to put your finger on, on something like inspiration. Like, what is it? Yeah. But if you say, who is it? Yeah. It, it reframes the question in an interesting way. Yeah. And uh, for me, uh, again, the Greeks, very earthy people um, who had unusual as a sort of uh, un unusual uh, access to uh, certain things, ideas which we would think of now as abstractions, mm. but were um, definitely to them, you know, something more ta more tangible something that could, you know, uh, in, in their religion, you know, the, 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 the sacrifices to, to the gods. These were very daily sort of aspects of daily life mm -hmm. and ways to um, kind of take these archetypal qualities, you know, like, like Eros and Aphrodite and, <laughs> uh, and, and yeah. to, to, uh, internalize them and to make use of them in everyday life. And uh, I think it's a strength of music too, that it, it is something that uh, helps us to um, internalize uh, archetypes. I, I've worked with this my, through, through my entire work as a composer. There's a general question that someone could ask when they just look at mythology and say, well, why do the Greeks have so many gods and goddesses? You know, why? Yeah. You know, they, they what, need what them, purpose? Of course. Yeah, they, they yeah. need them because they uh, they uh, recognize this wonderful plurality plurality of life, the diversity of life. You look around you, and there's all of these things going on. The emotional world mm -hmm. of the human being, you know, is is one that's sort of littered with gods. They're all over the place. So externalizing them, and uh, giving a way to have kind of communion with them uh, seems to me like a, a very healthy form of religion. Uh, it cer certainly, I may perhaps more than the, the, the monotheistic uh, religions that, that you know, emerged later. Uh, but, uh, you know, for, for me, all of this is symbology. All of this is 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 myth in the best sense. I, I I am not literally trying to engage with any form of divinity. I don't I don't believe in it. I'm an atheist. Uh, but I am also uh, one who uh, is very attracted to story, to mythology, and to the power of archetypal images to kind of understand. Um, how better to live life, mm. how, how to be in this world. Yeah, archetypal images, but they permeate everything we take in entertainment wise are all over our films are all over, they're all over the place. They're, they're all over the place. So I, I like to represent them musically. <laughs> I, ran, I ran into them first in psychology of film <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> to put a name on them. Uh, uh, what are some of the ways I, I wanted to talk about um, a couple of other things as far as like 
your process of, of creating your sounds. It, I'm always curious about that. And on this show, we, we can delve in, we, you know, we'll, we'll, we can delve into those from time to time. And I like to start with a question about what does the, what is the nature of the drone to you? Mm. Well, it's an earthy quality, almost by nature. Um, the drone grounds something. It's it's generally used to, to to ground something. I mean, you have you have drones in Bach, you know, with these wonderful pedal tones. Mm-hmm. Some of the organ the pieces will have a, have a pedal tone. You know, it just goes on for measures and measures and measures, and harmonies dancing all around them. Yeah, but they are all doing so in relationship to this grounding tone. It is interesting that often uh, drones also incorporate the fifth yeah the root and the fifth the that is that is very common you have that yeah. uh you have that in in indian music it's very very you know very much a feature of of many ethnic uh types of music the chant um, the chant the gregorian chant they said it was a single line and the first harmony to join it was the perfect fifth yep fifths you know? fourths and fifths fourths, fourths and, fifths. and fifths were the yeah. only ones that were considered consonants interestingly mm. enough you know, uh, in the ninth and tenth centuries, uh, the third and the sixth were considered dissonant tones. Really? Yeah. Wow. How about that? I did not know. So this is a it's, it's a culturally relative thing, and mm. uh, I mean, our ear historically mm. has has changed, but there's there's nothing eternal <laughs> about any of this. Uh, in fact, the <laughs> longest period of Western history of music. I mean, uh, the, the, the one that lasted the longest was the monophonic chant. Mm. Went on for centuries. Wow. Centuries. Now, nothing else has, no other period has, has no. historical period in music has lasted that long. In fact, they seem to get shorter and shorter with each age. And I don't even know what we're in now. You know, sort of. Oh gosh, post <laughs> postmodern. Right, I don't know. right. I don't know with that. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> they started calling uh, when you post post when you realize that. Um, let's just talk about a musical tradition in the compositional sense, orchestral. We just start, the twentieth century. We just named it after the century. Right. You know? <laughs> and, and 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 it's a hundred years, but obviously, twentieth century music was not the same for a hundred years. No. What happened in the turn of the century, Sibelius, to the most modern composers that were composing in the 90s. So I don't know. I don't know anymore. It's like, but I've never, I've, but did, did the ages, did the ages of, 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 of Renaissance to, to the, to the broke, the late broke classical, Mm -hmm. did those shorten as well? His musicology wise and impressionistic, you know, et cetera. Did, did those shorten as well, we started getting yeah. more organized or whatever words you'd like to use, you know, for, for yeah. that? You know, in, in one sense, they're not completely discreet. You know, I mean, you have Overlap. composers with, like, uh, Monteverdi would be a great example. He's got one foot in Renaissance music and one foot in the, in the beginnings of the Baroque. Mm, okay. Um, okay. You, you have, you know, you have, you have a Baroque composer, or Renaissance composers who, who, who do marvelous, marvelous things with, you know, dissonant tones that you just find so unexpected. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so they 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 dovetail and they um, but generally speaking, the periods get shorter as as they go along. The classical, for example, period that followed, you know, late Baroque music. Uh, if we're talking about Mozart and Haydn pr primarily, sure, well, sure. Beethoven comes along and in, you know, at the beginning of the 19th century, blows that out of the water. Yeah. I mean, nobody was ready for the Eroica Symphony, the third symphony, uh, the, 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 the harmonies of it it, it. it was shocking and revolutionary. So some composers yeah. are revolutionary. Some are conservative. Bach, for example, actually very conservative, not a revolutionary in music. But what his role was, was in kind of uh, tying together all of these, all of these threads and solidifying a style. And after Bach, there was, there was nowhere else really to go with Baroque music. The early classical uh, composers uh, kind of had to find something new. Mm. And so there are these kind of sedimentary composers, these slow working, um, uh, very kind of uh, just slow and steady workers who uh, construct something. And then you have these kind of volcanic composers like, like Beethoven who uh, they're disruptors, among other things. Now, Beethoven yeah. loved form, too. He, di he didn't discard form, but yeah. he blew it out of the water. He changed <laughs> it completely. And, you know, I don't know what kind of com composer I am. I think I'm a, a, a little bit of both. You know, I, I do have, you know, some uh, conservative, very conservative roots, but I'm also looking for my individualized expression. Sure. Um, I'm very concerned with form. That's kind of unusual for ambient sort of music. Um, for sure. My yeah. pieces almost sure. always have a very clear beginning, middle, and end. They have, they, they use some, if you're attentive to it, they use some classical forms. You can find Sonata Allegro, you can find Rondo, mm -hmm. variations, forms, all kinds of things that if you were looking for them, you, you would certainly, you'd certainly find them. Um, but I, th I think that I'm mostly engaged with, the mu with musical ideas. Um, and also ideas that are suggested from philosophical, literary, and mythological sources. Uh, this puts my worlds together very nicely. That what we're what Will said, you know, in the, in, in the concept, the album of a concept, the concept of an album a very well explaining it really makes you think about the composers and how they transitioned you know how different ones stuck out you know to lead the way to the next you know it it, it made me think too about you know music doing now M mentioning ambient music yeah you're right some people the lack of having to have a form is appealing mm -hmm. to, to some composers in the world but then you mentioned you also can still have form find the form learn the form forget the form or, or wherever you need to go. Uh, but looking at the nature of the ambient music, I think there also might be a way that an ambient music as a, as, a, as, a, as a genre that's growing to explain what music is doing now. And I think that might be merging. You know, I think we merge more styles than we mm. have ever before. Yes. This, even this pop song can merge like a part that sounds kind of spacey and ambient and kind of 
you know, rockish mix with, I mean, I think merging is having to happen now because we like to name uh, critics love to come up with a, a genre at the drop of a hat. And I always, I always realized that uh, I realized at some point that electronic music probably had the most subgenres of any other genre. Um, yeah. and, and so merging, I think is maybe where we're at the point of now is, is that how many things can we merge together? And I think mm -hmm. ambient, I think ambient is, is kind of an example of it. Merging yes. classical, yes. merging forms, the Berlin school, mm -hmm. progressive, rock music jazz music music from around the globe to, yeah. to merge it where it, it it was pretty narrow when it started and then it just keeps expanding by merging yeah well i i think it's a positive um sort of feature me too uh and you know uh i am myself very eclectic i'm eclectic in my tastes i'm eclectic in my my methods as a composer um and it's cross fertilization, cross cross pollinization, yeah. uh, that that brings richness. Uh, we still need, you know, every composer does still need to um, sort of solidify their own style mm. to give them something that you can say, well, I do, I recognize that as a chronotope project unique quality yeah yeah a unique quality i i have you know striven for that and 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 i think and i think it it it's it's emerged slowly mm. um i i think there is something recognizable at the same time you know if you look at gnosis uh it's got as you say berlin school kind of uh electronic sequence it's got the the ambient pads and it's got drones it's got it's got jazz inflections there's mm. there's shades of miles davis like in in uh, in lethe mm. you could almost call that uh, and i i thought about calling it miles to go before i sleep <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but yeah. you know i i i also take my cue from uh, arnold schoenberg in in the last piece there's there's atonal mm. <laughs> music there's oh, classical romantic uh, 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 sort of inflections, something uh, maybe more inspired from uh, the perspective of someone like Schumann in uh, The Still Small Voice. So, you know, I, I do want to bring all of these things on board because they're different aspects of me. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, you know, the goal is, is to create something that's integrated. Mm. You know, something that that yeah. that it it doesn't just you know take you off from you know, one one kind of soundscape to another, but you know has kind of a draw forward, both in mm. the piece and in the album as well. Mm. Very well put, and I I, I really enjoy um, how you've how you've taken these things and and put them together. Because that that point of finding your individual voice by going with the things that that make up your self, the interests that you have, the styles that you are familiar with, and putting those together to form to form the album, and you know, look forward to your 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 next work uh, coming up. And I, I thank you for giving us a little a little hint there on oh, okay uh, <laughs> on where you're going. I like a little preview as we walk in as we walk into that. Um, <laughs> And uh, the um, uh, I, I wanted to ask, uh, we talked about um, 
talking about uh, you know building building the the compositions and 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 the nature of the drone um instrument wise uh electronic what are some things that you've been leaning on i i'd read in the the information from the label about the this um I don't know if it's H A K E N continuum fingerboard synthesizer, uh, um, but just some of the different um, instruments that you that you've you've been using recently to create to create your work. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the uh, the Hawken uh, continuum Hawken. fingerboard is is one I've I've had uh, throughout my journey as Chronotope project. Okay, and um, it's a wonderful instrument. I have to I have to say especially for a string player, because uh, instead of a, uh, a, a keyboard, you know, with discrete keys, it, it, the playing surface is a soft neoprene surface. Oh, is that the kind you can kind of like run your finger up yeah. the key to get like a glissando and... Right. Okay, right. I'm familiar so with that. So it's much more like a cello fingerboard, you know, there's no mm. frets. <laughs> okay, there's no um, uh, yeah. And one thing, there, there are several aspects of this that really appeal to me, especially in, in making this my primary melodic voice. Okay. Uh, as one thing, as you said, are things like uh, uh, glissandi, where you can, you can glide up, you know, in pitch to, to a note very easily. Um, another thing is vibrato. Uh, it's instead of using, you know, kind of a little controller to try to simulate vibrato, I can do it exactly the same way I play vibrato on the cello. Okay. It's the same kind of gesture. The other thing is that, um, you know, intonation uh, is is something that is, for me, not a fixed quantity, Uh, particularly in a melodic voice. There are times when, you know, one in the same you know, written note may have a different pitch depending on its function in in a melody or in a harmony. Um, in Baroque music, they understood that very well. They don't they don't even have an even tempered scale. the The scale uh, is 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 tempered differently to allow for um, these wonderful harmonies to emerge and also these marvelous intervals. Uh, very pure ones, and sometimes ones that strain against the texture. Uh, so I take full of advantage of that with with the uh, Hawken Continuum fingerboard. Um, so it, I, it's an instrument I, I very near and dear to my heart. <laughs> uh, wow. There are some other there are some other things I've used. Uh, I used uh, I, I used the uh, an instrument called the Harpeggi which is a 32-stringed instrument, which is played by touch. It's, uh, it it has, it's, it's an electrified acoustic instrument, essentially. Um, But you, you play everything uh, just by putting your fingers down on the, on on the fretboard. And uh, what's kind of nice about it is that the way it's laid out, uh, if you have a chord, you can just, it's, it's got this, the, the structuring of it allows you to just move that, transpose that around, and you get exactly the same chord. In other words, it's it's a nice uh, kind of keyboard for uh, for non-keyboard players 
you know, okay. <laughs> to, to, to use. Okay. And also it's, you know, in the percussive kind of sort of string percussive uh, texture you get kind of uh, some un unusual uh, timbres and, and textures that, that are, I, I made use of um, notably in um, Eidos uh, is used to create okay. the underlying texture in this album. But um, so there's, those are two kind of unusual instruments. I, I will say overall, you know, I, I'm not really a gearhead. <laughs> Per se, yeah. I, I'm a little unusual uh, for for uh, electronic musicians. Um, my my sense is, you know, I can. I, there is so much possibility with with the array of of gear that I already have. I I have no desire, you know, to be acquiring a bunch of other stuff when I haven't exploited. Fully, what I already have. I understand that very well. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you almost feel like you almost feel like you're looking at what you have and go, "I know this thing has so much more in it that I could go into." Right. I know. I know that it's a very specific way to look at electronic instruments. I mean, yeah. it's like, what on here have I not even gotten to yet? You know, where's right. the where's the manual? That's interesting though, because it seems like you know, it it seems to me like you're. Your instrument of choice is more of the interface, you know, of more of the like the the, the ha mm -hmm. that type of keyboard and the string instrument. What, what, on the string instrument, is are you playing? Are you are you don't have to pluck the strings? The strings are actually just pressed into. A, a oh, uh, the, on the harpeggi. On the harpeggi, yeah. They're tapped, pretty much tapped. You They're know, just tapped. like a tapping guitar. Yeah. Yeah, like the Chapman stick. I remember that's an instrument uh, exactly. that people might know that's, where they, they that's, tap yeah. the strings. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 the same kind it's of. It's similar to it. Okay, I had yeah. a guest on the show that would yeah. play that from time to time. Interface. Oh yeah, interface. You, you can also, and I have used the Ebo. Oh, I love the Ebo. Uh, which is Ooh. really fun. You can, yeah. you can also play the harpeggi with the Ebo the and, and get oh some gosh. really really great sustained sounds that are you know more ethereal. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, I love the Ebo that's so fun. much. What a great invention somebody had uh, yes. to make the Ebo. <laughs> I didn't realize how how long it's been around too until this podcast. I didn't know it was as old as it is. It goes back a oh, while. Yeah. Um, can can you might think of it as something newer? Yeah, what a great idea to just have the have your string instrument instantly become long sustains without you know, with with actually a something again tactile tactile on the instrument. You know, it's yeah. it's really yeah. fascinating. The um uh. Jeffrey, thank you for being on Tones and Drones. You're welcome back anytime, especially you got this a new album in the works. And um, and it, I've learned so much. And and I I uh, I appreciate your generosity with uh, sharing uh, your your uh, your music and your passion for philosophy and, and, and tying those together and uh, and giving us such a such great music and uh, the new album, too, that um, that we've been talking about. Um, out on spotted peccary and uh, uh I, I really appreciate this thank you so much you know it's this uh this podcast has been a labor of love and i'm very appreciative to to those ambient uh artists and musicians that have that have taken time to be on here and so it, it's my pleasure i've i've enjoyed our conversation immensely exactly and i'd like to ask you too just um you know some places to go and find your work uh, are you on Bandcamp? Um, yeah, well. everywhere pretty everywhere. much everywhere yeah, yeah. Bandcamp, all the streaming platforms um 
It's widely distributed as a CD, as a physical CD for people who want to acquire it. Spotted Peccary is a oh, good place to get got it. got it but, right here. Uh, yeah. Holding it up for those of you, yeah. since it's an audio podcast, I am holding up my copy of the album uh, yeah. so that I can read inside here and look at the artwork, which uh, Daniel- And you found the booklet, right? And I found the booklet. And, yeah. um, and uh, you know, um, I- uh, And uh, I- uh, <laughs> A, a couple of things, you know, and, and Howard Givens doing the mastering on here oh. and Daniel Pepitone does this great artwork, uh, the way he lays these things out. Yeah. Uh, I really loved how you have explanations of the different parts in the booklet. I found that very informative. Um, and um, a, uh, a friend of this, a friend of mine, I think at this point, and a friend of this podcast, uh, Deborah Martin acting as the project midwife. Oh. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, uh, I, I, um, sure, right? I mean, Deborah, Deborah is so enormously supportive. Awesome. She, she, she really is the matrix of uh, Spotted Peccary. Mm. And uh, she helped me immensely uh, in, in, in inspiring me to, uh, to finish this project. I, I, I had a great amount of difficulty with it and it was it was mostly done during covid lockdown okay um i actually at one point i it was it was going to be called the cloud of unknowing originally wow wow <laughs> and i was in a kind of cloud of unknowing um and through some conversations with deborah she really unlocked for me uh some some new direction i i in a very short order after after having some conversations with her, I completely uh, reframed uh, the album. I, I restructured and changed the pieces. Uh, suddenly I was on fire again. <laughs> so just as uh, Socrates thought of himself as a midwife for knowledge, I wanted to acknowledge. <laughs> I wanted to acknowledge Deborah as uh, my midwife for this project. <laughs> that's that's really that's really wonderful. I didn't know about that. Socrates. What an interesting terminology. So, <laughs> um, to reference, that's wonderful. Well, yeah, she's amazing, and and that was great to 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 know that, and that you know that she acted some acted in that way to be able to make this project come forth and, 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 uh, and that you were able to, to release this uh, great album, you know, so. Thank you. Thank you, Jeffrey. It's a pleasure. Absolutely. Likewise. <laughs> That's how we do it. There it is. Um, I will, uh, I'll send you the links when the show is, is out, the podcast is out. And uh, I, I cut in some music in our conversation yeah. to kind of oh, flow great. and and yeah. and i think we trace the album very well so um and uh um i was gonna ask um well i can reach out to beth but there some of your other albums we'd love to have here at kvlu too um you know oh. file file form or, or cd farm even because at kvlu we have some shows that play electronics new new acoustic music we have a, a weekly show and then we have um and then uh, i do a version of this i I did a have a radio version of the podcast. So the podcast made a radio show, Tones uh -huh. and Drones Radio, which is uh, a place where we weren't able to have uh, Hearts of Space on here anymore for a lot of different reasons after running it for for decades. And uh -huh. so 
the the radio show is basically just playing longer pieces from the, the artists that are on the podcast and then just do a little bit of the intro, a little bit of the outro and get out. Kind of Stephen Hill style, talk at the beginning, talk at the end, let it flow. Um, and yeah. so uh, so that we started that in September. So we have a lot of room for the music. So, you know, Great. I always say anybody wants to contribute the music, we're, we, we play it here at KVLU since we have some shows for it, including a daily show. It's called The Quiet Hour. So, yeah. um, Well, if you reach out to Deborah Martin, um, she'll send you physical CDs for everything that Spotted Peccaries put out. Nice. And that's all the most recent work and and uh, the best of my work. Um, the others are certainly available streaming. And uh, again, as yeah, I said, yeah. I'm gonna I'm I'm working on this kind of you know redux of of some of the early work, and that will be a physical CD. CD I don't also. know if Spotted Peccary will put that out or not. They don't typically do that kind of thing. They they typically just do you know new original yeah. work. New originals, uh, yeah. new work. Uh, so yeah. uh, we'll see who I can get to uh, host me on that. Yeah, that. Okay, okay. Yeah, but, I, yeah do I, reach yeah. out to Deborah and she'll send you a care package. <laughs> I certainly will. We were gonna try to visit this summer up there. She invited us up to. Oh, so you're uh -huh. in or, you're in Oregon. Are, are yes. you close to Portland? Yes. Oh, not or, far or, away. Yeah, not far away. Okay, uh, so you're close to her in Vancouver. Hour then. and a half. Yes, yes. I've been up to to see her and Chris, and uh, okay. they're delightful to visit with. Yeah, we're kind of hoping in 2022 to make it up there. We weren't able to make it there this summer uh, uh -huh. for several couple of several reasons, but maybe in 2022 we can make our way up that up that way from Texas. So yeah, awesome. Yeah, it's it's a it's a you have to fly it. It's a long it's a long uh, way. Yeah. We're in yeah. the bottom corner of Texas on the border uh, of uh, we're on the border. Uh, we're about 30 miles from the border of Louisiana and then mm. Houston, Texas is on the I-10 corridor this way. And that's where we'd fly uh, out. We fly out of uh -huh. Houston, uh, which is only about an hour, hour and a half away, depending on what part of what airport you're going to. Um, and so, uh, yeah, hopefully in 2022, we can get up yeah. that way. So, oh, they're really fun to hang out with. <laughs> You'll that's enjoy cool. it. <laughs> that's cool yeah we're looking forward to that to make it happen then you know yeah yeah like you have to just those times where you just have to like reschedule but put something out there you know next year this season right. you know focus you know so thank you jeffrey yeah. nice to meet you hey my pleasure jason i i enjoy awesome. your show you know i i listened to some of the previous interviews to get a sense of what kind of things you talked about I, I, I like how you don't you don't just have any standard questions you ask everybody like some hosts do. No, not really. It, no, I, I, I really like that you're on the fly and, and very specific to the artist. That gives it, you know, it it makes a better interview, makes a better conversation. So I appreciate what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. When we were formulating the podcast, we really wanted to go that that was something to keep it conversational was very important because we were feeling, well, you know, there's a lot of podcasts are allowing for that, that yeah. more conversational exchange back and forth. And so let's approach the let's approach this this area like that, too, you know, mm -hmm. like, and do that and then give the music some time to speak in our conversation to kind of highlight different things that were talked about, either a, a specific song, or as you might've noticed, sometimes it's not a specific song. Sometimes it's just a part that could take a pause to sure. visit the music for a minute and then come back to it, you know? And so that's kind of, 
you know, where, right. where do we, where do we take that interlude at just varies with every single conversation. It's always yeah. different. Yeah. And, it, and it also yeah. makes a huge difference that you are, you are a musician yourself. Oh yeah. Thank you. Uh, you know, this, yeah. uh, it, it makes <laughs> it, 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 we have all kinds of starting places right away. <laughs> <laughs> we do, ex exactly. Yeah. You understand what I'm talking about. <laughs> you know, exactly. Uh, so uh, that's great. No, thank you. I exactly. It's been a big part of my life and it's, uh, it's great having everybody, you know, wanting to talk. So, <laughs> well, uh, a real share, pleasure. just a, yes, yeah, sharing, sharing. Uh, it's, it's, that's what it is. It really is. It's really sharing. Yes. You know, the only kind of performing I'm doing these days is with my Baroque music group. And in that capacity, I, I am primarily an accompanist. I, you know, the, the, the harp, harpsichord and cello kind of form a unit in Baroque music oh, okay. called the basso continuo. In fact, the, the mm. cello and, and the left hand of the harpsichord play the same line. Wow, repeated bass, basso continuo, repeated bass movement, kind of well, like Pachelbel's canon or something? Well, like it's, it's not, it, it's, it's not repeated so much as continuo in the sense as ongoing. Ongoing. Uh, yeah. In okay. fact, most of the music really, okay. it moves through all kinds of harmonic permutations. The bass lines are interesting. They're really, mm. you know, they're uh, melodic. They're, they're fascinating. They're fun to play. So I, I bought a Baroque cello a couple years ago, and um, we're doing some performances. Do you play in the Portland area? I mean, I'm sorry, in the uh, around Portland or or just no, just places locally, or, I mean, just, just locally. locally we're not, we're not, we're not traveling. Um, this is more per performing for the love of the music itself. We're we're, we're not interested in cultivating anything as far as audience or yeah. we just you know we we meet once a week. We we sight read tons of stuff. And exploring this music together, it's so much fun. <laughs> and it also, it just, it kind of, it, it rings every bell for me. You know, it's got the, the, it, the, the, the emotional uh, kind of purchase. It, intellectually, it's mm -hmm. beautiful. The structure, um, the counterpoint, it just kind of hits everything <laughs> for me. That's awesome. Technical? Technical, uh, technical. Uh, technical, yes, yeah. uh, as needed, but you know, um, rarely is virtuosity the point of the music. It's not show-offy stuff, generally speaking. When there's a lot of filigree and so forth, or, or ornamentation, or, you know, kind of these quick passages, it's all in service of a musical idea. Yeah. Melody. I don't. I don't find Baroque music ego-driven at all. It's. It, it's really. Uh, it's all about the whole. It's not about stars and virtuoso players and anything like that. Interesting. I would think about that yeah. way. The chamber music, the mu the music yeah. of of the ensemble. That's interesting. I didn't. I never knew that about the 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 left harpsichord and the cello playing those figures. I never yeah. really thought about well, it that it way. It requires. It requires very careful listening. Okay, you to hear I mean? that. And to be, you know, to be a good continual player, you know, you, you just really totally need to be in tune, not only with what's going on, you know, with whatever you're accompanying, but with your compatriot at the keyboard. At the keyboard. And I mm -hmm. like that. I, I like that, that, that feeling of, you know, being one 
and being two. Being two, yeah, sure. Yeah, you we know, <laughs> yeah, we mentioned that in there. Yeah, the duality yeah, and the singularity. Right. Is that's that right. why? Is that one of the reasons why you're looking at a Koanga harpsichord? Is to kind of play those yourself to kind of feel what are some of your yeah. to, to to you play yeah. the, on a different instrument the, yeah the, you know the, i mean i've played instrument. i've played bach at, at piano for for years it, and i'm not a wonderful keyboardist i you know I, I i play what i can i you know i certainly haven't been through the all the well-tempered clavier or anything like that but the harpsichord is much more intimate mm -hmm. the piano the piano projects a lot yeah um it you know, it has it has the sustain pedal, so it's it, there's something romantic about it to begin with. Yeah. You 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 have to do all your articulations uh, on the on the harpsichord with your fingers. There's there's no there's no sustain pedal. Yeah, no pedals. Yeah, yeah. so you have yeah. to be very attentive to each line, and I I think that just hanging out with these you know these wonderful compositions. Uh, even if I have to play things really slowly, just to kind of enter their architecture. Um, see, this is this is this is the this is for for my elder years. I'm retired now. This is okay. my my trajectory. <laughs> it's toward conversing with you know the the the, the worthies, <laughs> if you will, <laughs> both in philosophy and in music. That's awesome. Yeah, with the harpsichord too, I was, it's crazy. It's like, but it doesn't. It doesn't have a touch. Does it not have touch sensitivity? It's it's a one. I mean, the piano was like piano forte, right? It's like soft, loud. Yeah. But the harpsichord doesn't have that it doesn't, dynamic. It it doesn't have that. It, when you here. press a key, when you press a key, it triggers uh, a a usually a quill kind of plectrum that that plucks the string. Okay. Now, when you let go of the key, the, the key is damp. It, the, that string is damped. So okay. that's all you have. So okay. when you want to play louder, in a sense, what you, you, you accomplish it by, by um, adding notes to the texture. Okay. So harpsichordists don't usually just play what's written on the page. They will improvise to the extent of adding or subtracting chord notes as as mm. the case may be um, you can change the changing the articulation of the notes long or short also does uh, affect the, the 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 sense of loudness but no right. the, the only other thing that you have is, is registration and that is that you can engage if there's multiple sets of strings you can engage them both for example or there is also this kind of damping bar called the lute stop, which is really, it's really pretty. It's really nice for slow movements. So it quiets the, the whole instrument and also nice. just kind of, it, it makes it almost sound like a harp. Nice. So lute stop is uh, something I'm especially the, looking forward to fooling around with. stop, that's interesting. Yeah, that's very yeah. interesting because I never heard that before. I wonder how they get softer. They use the lute stop to be able to literally physically dampen the strings. Yeah. What a great idea somebody had to come up with at some point. Oh, you know, uh, the Italians perfected the, the harpsichord. They, they okay. were the great innovators and um, the instrument I am interested in in acquiring is a, is of a, an Italian design. Okay. Um, so uh, we'll see how that goes. I have to try to figure out how to fit it in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine so. I bet they're 
heavy and bulky like a piano and they don't uh, they don't have an upright harpsichord they all have to have they all have the like a like a like the, the, the you know baby grand or whatever right they don't do they, do they, they they never made a oh no actually there's a lot of different designs there's a there's a virginal which kind of spreads out in uh instead of going out in in front of you to the sides so it's oh. strung that way okay um, and there are also spinets of different kinds. So they're smaller instruments. They have less, you know, gumption. Um, but I don't need I don't need a lot of gumption here in my studio. I'm pretty much just going to be doing this for my own amazement. And uh, my wife is now studying piano, and I, I think at a certain point we'll have a chance even soon to play together. And she's going to be such a good keyboard player. <laughs> I just. <laughs> I, I know she is. She's she sings in a choir. So it has a good feeling for music. So I'm looking forward to that in our elder years. <laughs> That's awesome. That's fantastic. <laughs> One of our pandemic purchases was a harmonium. Oh yeah. Uh -huh. My cool. wife always wants. She always wanted one. Cause she uh -huh. likes a lot of, she likes a lot of Kirtan music and, uh -huh. Uh -huh. and she always wanted one. I was just like, just order one. We're sitting yeah. here at home, just find one and have it sent sure. in. Sure. You know, and let's, let's have one. Let's have a harmonium. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So are you, do, you, so you're doing some Kirtan music and we do, we, we do. Cause she's a yoga instructor in Kundalini uh -huh. style. And so we, we do, we do some, we do guitar and voice. Yeah, it's a groovy yeah. little instrument. I I love it. You know uh, of uh, Sonatum Car? Yeah, I, I yeah I do. Yep, she used to live here in Eugene. I did a little bit of playing with her, and um, what a voice! What yes, what a, what a, what a voice. remarkable voice! So we we performed together a couple of times, and I fooled around with improvising stuff on on the cello to kind of move into into that that form. But I I don't know nice. the I don't know the I don't know the music. All that well it's kind of out of my scope a bit but i yeah. did have that 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 bit of immersion and and sonatum uh since then you know her career has really taken off and it's really fun to see where she's gone with it exactly she's brought that music to a different a wider space yeah yes she has yeah, very yes, much so has. melodically yeah. and whatever the song forms but uh in terms of melody mm -hmm. Um, very sophisticated. That's the whole art. It is about melody. And then, of course, yeah. you're in concerts, you're inviting people to sing back things quite often. Yeah. And so it's participatory as, as well and, and devotional. I, I, I understand that. That's, yeah. There's a lot of heart in it. It's, it's yeah. just filled with heart. And yeah, if, I had, if I had leanings, you know, so, sort of toward toward that re religious or devotional, if I were devotional at all, uh, I might find that very appealing myself. I think the, the, the Vedic philosophers had a kind of a belief that the, especially Sanskrit um, syllables were in some way endemically related to the things that they were to represent, that, mm. that, that the language was, yes. you know, very kind of close to the ground. I don't believe that's actually true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For, for example, so did the Greeks. The Greeks so thought, thought that their language, you know, Plato that thought that in, in the in the Cratylus, he he put that forward as a thesis. And no modern linguist believes any of this anymore. But to feel that that you do have a connection with you know these 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 syllables and sounds. 
I think does inform that kind of uh, sense of devotional quality that the music has. And that's all that's yeah. important. Who knows who? Exactly. There's the <laughs> mystery of it. <laughs> the mystery. The great mystery. The, thank you, Jeffrey. It was oh, so great to pleasure. meet you. Oh, pleasure. Yeah. I'd love to speak to you again. So let's do. Let's have another conversation someday. I'd love to. Definitely. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, okay, Jason. Take care. Have a good one today. You too. Thank you. Uh, bye. Bye bye. Thanks again to my guest on this episode of Tones and Drones, Jeffrey Erickson Allen, also known as Chronotope Project. His recent album is called Gnosis. It's on the Spotted Peccary label. You can find out more information by visiting his website, chronotope-project.com, and also spottedpeccary.com. You can find Tones and Drones on all the major podcast platforms and on the NPR One app, and you can also listen to the companion radio program called Tones and Drones Radio. It airs on KVLU at 10 p.m. Central Time on Sundays, and you can listen online at kvlu.org. I'm Jason Miller, your host. As always, thank you for listening to the program, and may music bring you peace and joy. <laughs>